welcome to the Readings Podcast, a celebration of books. I'm Nico Kelly. In today's episode, something a bit different. The first episode in a new series for the Readings Podcast. I'll be joined by Bernard Calio. Bernard is a comic artist, illustrator, actor, a writer, and a bookseller with me at Readings. He's the creator of Cardigan Comics, a partner in 12 Panels Press, and in 2016, he was awarded a Platinum Ledger Award for his contributions to Australian comics culture. Bernard interviewed Miranda Burton, the recipient of this year's Readings Young Adult Prize, for her graphic novel Underground, published by Alan Unwin. Hello, Bernard. Nico, hi. How are you doing? I'm really, really well. Uh, you ready to do some podcasting? I reckon we should. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it about comics. Let's do it about comics. And let's call it the comics question. Sure. That sounds good to me. Okay, great. Last one. Um, we're going to talk about comics. We're going to talk to comics makers. We're going to talk to comics editors. We're going to talk to comics publishers. We're going to talk to comics sellers, booksellers, librarians. We're just going to try and understand. Mm. That's all we're wanting to do. We just want to understand. And I know too much about comics mm. and you know nothing about comics. Yeah, basically. So we're just a perfect like pair of... Virgils and Dantes for the whole trip. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's uh, let's go underground. Let's let's go under the let's let's enter the dark wood. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Miranda, congratulations on being a winner of a Readings Young Adult Award for 2022. Thanks so much, Bernard. It's an extraordinary feeling. I don't often have a feeling like that. It it doesn't seem real yet because it hasn't been formally announced. So it feels abstract. It feels like the other Miranda has won something. The future Miranda. The other Miranda. I don't don't know if anyone's called her or anything, but... Um, the Miranda in the yeah, next panel. The next panel, uh, <laughs> after next week, I think the other Miranda can shuffle on. Yes. Move out of the panel. Yes, and you can. Be and there. I can be the winner. Oh, that's really, really good. Um, and um, what I am really keen to talk to you about um, is where this book comes from where 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 it comes from both for you sort of personally in your creative sort of world but also how it how it came to be what what the helps along the way were what publishing questions that that's what I'm really uh, particularly uh, interested in but you know first up what's the book about the book is about uh well it's an exploration of different perspectives of the the war in the Australia, sorry, Australia's war in Vietnam, um, but but focused uh, through the um, eyes of the Save Our Sons movement, an anti-conscription and anti-war movement um, made up of women. The convener being Jean McLean, uh, and the Victorian branch of Save Our Sons, that is, and um, and then alongside that we have the the perspective of Bill Cantwell. Uh, a, um, currently a, ver- a veteran of the, the war. He served in, in a military capacity. And um, the, also the story of Mai Ho, uh, who came to Australia as a, as, as a refugee in the early 1980s. Um, so getting to really see the, the, the experience of the aftermath of the war. And so these three 
um, strong perspectives are entwined together. So we, we kind of come away with a, a dimensional mm. and sort of complex and layered understanding of, of um, you know, of a really vast history which really has no, no sides and no bottoms, but I just pulled these three different perspectives together. To get a sort of a triangulation yes. of yes. the Australian experience. And so... Um, so, I mean, this is a leading question, but uh, nonetheless, I'm going to ask anyway. So, the book started uh, with with you meeting my Ho and, and, and Bill and Jean. No. Well, no. Ah. It, it really started at um, a place, a, a residency, an artist residency in the bush uh, known as Dunmuchen. This is the former residence of Australian artist Clifton Pugh. And uh, he started this this um, artist community in the bush, uh, northeast of Melbourne in the 1950s. Anyway, so come 2011, I took up a two-year residency in his old studio. And it was here that I started learning about the local history, uh, you know, amidst the amidst the red box trees and the lizard skeletons and the Fasca gales. And for the listeners, the Fasca gale is a carnivorous marsupial. It's a, yes, I yes. thought they all died out. No, no, so you no. Have to sort of lock your windows at night because they they might creep in and eat your brains. Oh, they, they, no, they they find the the cracks. You can close your windows as much as you like. They find their way in. Man, I'm uh, terribly worried about you out there in the bush, vulnerable yeah. to the attacks of these carnivorous <laughs> uh, mammals. Drop drop bears. They yeah, sound like. I had some living in my ceiling not long ago, uh-huh. but uh, they've they've moved on. Uh, and you look un- you look unscarred. I I am quite unscathed. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's good. That's good. How um, so anyway? So yes, the, the, the back to the petri dish yes, of yes. this book yes. um, was definitely the, the the bush and Clifton Pugh's studio and uh, also the you know significantly the stories uh, that surrounded the the history of the the artists who lived there. Um, you know through through the fifties, sixties, seventies. And beyond, uh, and uh, so it was here that I learned about a wombat that had belonged to Clifton Pugh and his wife, uh, called Hooper, allegedly. Oh no, originally called Whooper. In Whooper, and in my book, he's called Hooper. Anyway, because there was some contractual there was with Whooper himself, or himself, or itself, it wouldn't it, himself. It, yes, himself. Yes, right. Yes, I, I, I think he. I think for the. Uh, the purposes of registering his name for service in, in Vietnam, yes. uh, they changed his name to Ho- him Very wise. Hooper. Just yeah. in case just, he did <laughs> just get in case. enlisted. Yeah, well, yeah. And, but the fact was he was enlisted. So, oh, no, no, yes. no, wait, 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 wait. Yes. So, so Hooper, this, this, Hooper the, the Wombat was enlisted. Well, he was called up for his medical uh, <laughs> exam. So they not, said, not. They said his so, legs were too short, or his nose was too shiny, or. Well, they didn't get to ask him that question oh. because, as the as the the call up papers arrived, mm. no, he went underground. <laughs> so, that was really the entry to my tunnel. And uh, so it was. It was so. It was Clifton Pugh's son Shane Pugh who who told me and a group of other artists there about. Uh, this wombat, this resident orphan wombat uh, who'd been registered for military service. And it was that point where I, well, one, I realised that I didn't know much about the history of Australia's involvement in, in uh, the war in Vietnam. And 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 I was utterly intrigued. And, and, and for me, it was a far more interesting entry point to discover the history 
Uh, and, and of course, that soon led me to uh, the, the story of resistance and activism in Melbourne. Mm, okay, okay. And that's how I met Jean McLean. She was, yeah. A core, a core, a core person to me. I saw the a documentary called Save Our Sons, which uh, was which was directed by her daughter Rebecca McLean, and it was when I watched that in the library at uh, La Trobe University, I think it was. I was just I was just captivated, and I'd been reading about the war for maybe a year and a half, and I hadn't found my other other than the Wombat Tunnel entry point. I hadn't found how. I, you know, I was going to enter the history alongside this wombat. When I saw the Save Our Sons documentary, I knew that that was what I wanted to do. And it was just an extraordinary stroke of luck that after getting in touch with Rebecca, she put me in touch with her mum. Yeah. Yeah. The very Jean The very Jean herself. herself. So um, just so this is this point, you're a year, a year and a half into puddling through, digging into the materials, the research. And in your, did you know at this point this this material is going to transform at some point into through my hands into a graphic novel did you know that i i did because uh early quite early in the piece on this journey i think 2014 it was i actually wrote a children's manuscript uh called the wombat who wouldn't do combat and pitched that to to at a, at a workshop run by Penguin and Alan and Unwin. Yep. And there uh, was Erica Wagner, uh, who later became my publisher, who said to me after that workshop, I'd really like to explore this, um, this, this project. Can you send me a, you know, a complete copy of, of your manuscript so far? And uh, which, of course, was, I think through this conversation and, and, and others, I think, in this podcast series, will be coming across the name of Erica Wagner a number of times. Uh, and she's a very important figure in publishing in Australia, particularly kids' publishing, but particularly, I think, in, in graphic novel publishing as well. And what you just said then, I think it, you, you quoted Erica as saying, I'd like to explore this idea, this manuscript, and that seems to me to characterise extremely well uh, Erica's strength as, as a publisher, which is this... Uh, this this desire, this this ability, this excitement about share with me your 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 shape, your impulse, your your interest in this topic, and let's work on let's you know let me let's work on it. To, yeah, she's very it seems to me she's a very conversational uh, publisher in that sense, uh, very uh, like being in a workshop, I suppose, with Erica. Yeah, so that's that doesn't surprise me that she would have uh, done this, uh, said this stuff after after hearing about, particularly with a title like the Wombat who wouldn't do combat. <laughs> she's she's been a trailblazer, I think, in you know graphic literature in Australia. I think she'd done so much groundwork um, with Alan and Unwin before I came onto the scene, and um, you know I think there's you know. Prior to me coming along, there was a very slow journey of, of well, I think many publishers across Australia sort of being very, very tentative about the form. Uh, but uh, I, I came across, uh, came along at a good time, yes. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. she presented the, she presented the the manuscript I had, the children's manuscript, of course, to her team, 
obviously a publisher can well really want to publish something, but there's a lot of people in the in the matrix to to please as well. Uh, and there I was feeling all very confident and feeling I had this 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 little project in in the bag. And and lo and behold, she came back uh, with the team's response, which was. We really like your idea, but can you make it for an older reader? And that was quite a kind of a wonderful and terrifying moment because then I really knew that what what I was you know in for, and that was going to be you know a long journey in really getting my head around the history yes. uh, and deciding what angle I would would take. Uh, you know, you know, I sort of. Had to I had to read a lot to to understand what the kind of standard narratives were around the Australian conversation around this history and find where the gaps were and of course there were huge gaps and um, and and that's where I felt like I had a place to fill mm. yeah yeah okay yeah. okay so so Erica came back and said uh, it's not this is not we don't see this as a book for kids or we can't sell I mean that's an interesting thing about a publisher isn't it is that they are um, are p- are people who need to sell books to stay afloat, so they are they are sort of out of their collective conversation, wisdom, guesswork, <laughs> trying to work out what will work, what will sell, and uh, if you know, and their their message back to you was well, not as a kids book, but yes, as an uh, older readers book, sort of fifteen plus sort of uh, yes uh, b- uh, book. Uh, and this is fascinating to me because it, it seems like there. I mean, these are very separate uh, um, sections, obviously of bookshops, but also of the way that publishers think. You know, we've got the ten and under, twelve and under kids, and and then we've got you know, and particularly for comic books, you know, there's kids comics are booming. You know, they're a big thing, uh, which is interesting to see. And graphic novels, which I suppose is how we can talk about your book. A long comic book, as Arch Bugelman says, a comic book that you need a bookmark uh, to read because you have to stop at some point and go to bed and uh, or have a shower or whatever, um, or have a meal. Um, uh, and and so that they would take that. I mean, all publishing is a risk, but you know, to take that punt, I suppose, on okay, I think we can place this book. I think we can market this book. I think we can understand this book in an older reader mm, setting, and and um, so that obviously required a rewrite or a deeper investigate. Or a, what did what 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 was your path from that moment of the going of the make it for make it for oldies? Well, it. it really meant I had to start from scratch you <laughs> know in, in a way yeah. I mean I had the concept yeah. I had and I, and I had uh, probably similar intentions to Alan and Unwin's credit they said you know if we make this for an older reader we can have a more complex discussion and critical discussion about this history um, you know with a, with it's a high school age age reader and I think the fact that it was Australian history, uh, was probably quite attractive to them. They saw the educational market being being significant, and uh, you know that um, yeah that 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 gave me a, a, a great kind of space to to kind of play in to 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 really think about what kind of messaging uh, I wanted to 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 sort of 
put through my book. Yeah. And comics-wise, at that point of the production, I suppose, are you drawing? Are you just writing? Are you taking? Are you imagining pages? What what what, what are you doing comics-wise at that at that very not amorphous but very very investigative, researchy, diggy sort of phase of the operation? I've discovered that I I need to draw and write simultaneously. Oh. I think I'm because I'm such a visual person. Uh, I, it's like I need to be in the visual space as well to see how, how like how are the words going to fit into this visual space as well. And you know, I've been working on something quite recently where I, it's just a ten-page story, uh, graphic story commission that I'm doing for the Nib, and it was required that I just have a Word doc script, and it felt kind of quite strange, and I couldn't. I couldn't really feel, you know. Because mm, some you know, people work, work hap- yeah, very happily. Very happy. And I know those people. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, they, yes. they write the script in a kind of play yes. uh, format and, and that works really well. Uh, so I have literally boxes and boxes and reams of paper uh, at home, which are the, the, the scratchings of the early uh, underground uh, <laughs> as, it, as it sort of grew a few fingers and legs slowly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and they're quite they're, they're quite strange boxes to sift through because you really do see the evolution of the beast. Yes. Uh, yes. And 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 what how many kind of ugly phases a graphic novel goes through before it really becomes a kind of a proportioned adult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that makes a lot of sense to me that sometimes one is on the words front and. You write lots of boxes, uh, um, speech bubbles, and you think, oh, this is great. You know, I'm really giving a lot of information. You go away and have a cup of tea. You come back and look at the page, and it's just, oh, my, it's too many words on that. It's, it's, sort of, it's like when somebody sends you an email all in caps or something. Like It's just too loud in terms of what it's saying but in words. I, I, you go through and you go, oh, my gosh, I have to remove a whole lot of the verbiage. You know, it's too garrulous that page and it's not comics or it's it's not working as comics i suppose or you know as one's own vision of or, or vision thinking because uh, comic comics are very complex machines as yeah. we know the way that the baton gets passed from the, the speech balloon to the next picture to the next action um so to, you sort of, you know, I come from the theatre world and to me the th- comics really always, or maybe the, the metaphors that suggest themselves to me are theatre metaphors, but I always think of working on a play uh, when I'm working on comics because it's like in the room, in the rehearsal room, it's so live, you know, and you, you're trying to pay attention to the other actors um, and the directors sa- saying to you things like, well, that's, that's lovely what you're doing there, but it's, it's, you're distracting from the main... You know, we've got to think of the audience. We've got to, you know, so, um, you know, that sort of page, stage thing really, for me, works as a metaphor in terms of the working on the material until you get that final or at least not, maybe it's not final, but the published version <laughs> you get to where you go, oh, take it out of my hands and, and, and here, here is the, here's the beast. So, yeah. um, sorry, to come back to Underground... Were you, did you feel like you were researching all the way to the last or did you drop research at one point and go, now I'm working on the book? 
like. I had to have that cut-off yes. point at some pay, uh, some stage because, uh, you know, as one knows, I think most historical writers know that, that, that you can get lost in the research for indefinite years and then there's a book deadline. <laughs> uh, and, and so I, I had to really resist. Uh, it was hard to resist. I, I, th- I learned that I loved research. I, it, was, it was like detective work. It was like putting a jigsaw piece together uh, together and uh but but i you know i had to pull myself because ultimately i had to do the work to to um make my own story uh, based on all these you know fragments of history and you were talking earlier about your theater background um and and that how that resonates with the way you put together stories visual stories and and for me because i have a musical background i'm always thinking about the, the crescendos and the decrescendos and the the, the the sort of the quieter patches the silent panels that sort of the, the, the minims as opposed to the quavers and and uh that language works for me and and uh you know and and i'll, I'll always I, I like drawing from that you know? yes and, and I also draw from my animation background mm. somewhat, as well you, as my you music. Animated, you animated for Disney, did you not? I, I was an in-betweener for Disney, <laughs> which meant that I received animation keyframes and I had to draw all the, 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 the drawings between those keyframes to make the, the, the motion fluid. And, um, again, it, was that not one of the last drawn an- animations that Disney made that you were working on up in Sydney? Uh, in in the last century, was that was that is that true? I don't think it would have been their last uh, dr- um, drawn film uh, or their last drawn films. Uh, what happened to us in the Australian studio was that we lost our jobs, uh-huh. and uh, our our jobs were shipped to the Philippines. Essentially, okay, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, they they had a, a much cheaper rate. Sure, sure. To produce. Drawn, drawn films. Drawn films. Drawn films. I like that term, drawn films. I don't know if I've ever... Maybe I just, anyway, um, that's interesting, actually, because that's a whole different discussion. But there's, there's a bunch of Filipino uh, comic book people who came into mainstream comics in the 70s and 80s. Nesta Redondo is one. Anyway, that's just a sidebar. Uh, okay, so, 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 so. Uh, you are a you know you make comics you uh, you made a beautiful beautiful comic book called Hidden. Uh, is that when I was just trying to think when is when is that from now? Is that t- ten years ago? Yes, in fact, Underground came out exactly ten years after Hidden did. Really? Yes, I seem to do these things in decades. <laughs> yeah, so Hidden came out in two thousand and eleven with yep. Black Pepper Pro- Publishing. Yeah. So it was yes, my my. My first venture into kind of accidentally making a graphic novel. <laughs> I only accidentally make graphic novels. I never planned to do them. Uh, pardon me. I'm sorry. I'll have to cut that out in a minute. Um, but the, the idea of accidentally making a graphic novel seems to be the most paradoxical term that can possibly be, terms that can be possibly brought together because it's like building a high-rise building. You, how do you be, accidentally build a high-rise building? Because, uh, because you think you're... You're building a shack. <laughs> uh, you know, you think you're building some, a wattle and daub shack, right? Yeah. And then suddenly you've got this 10-storey building that you didn't think you were going to, to make. No, okay, okay, okay. So this, um, uh, so let's go to Jean McLean. McLean? 
Mm-hmm. Um, does she introduce you to Bill and to Mai Ho? How do you find those other two characters, main purse people for this book? So they weren't introduced to me mm. by, by Jean. I met Bill um, at the local um, the Heidelberg Repatriation Hospital. In fact, it was a close friend of mine who was working on a project with a whole lot of Vietnam vets and a, f- a few remaining World War II vets doing a sculpture project and, and, and story writing project as well. Uh, and uh, so she took me along to the Heidelberg Repat and said, you know, you might want to meet some of these vets. And I saw Bill there and I realised I'd met him some years ago. He's actually friends with one of the characters in Hidden, my first book. Oh, boy. So everything, really? everything, everything That's connects. Amazing. It's, it's yes. like we're in, yes. the, we're in the Burton verse. The Burton verse, <laughs> I know. Uh, and so then uh, I, I got chatting to him and it turned out that when he'd come back from uh, serving in Vietnam after being injured so he came back quite early and he came back feeling very differently about the war than when he left and he joined the moratorium movement when, and that it was a um, um, an, an anti-war movement uh, that uh, you know picked up a lot of speed and, and there were three huge protest demonstrations in in Melbourne uh, from you know in 1970 and 1971 so he became part of that movement and he he had met Jean McLean mm. so there was my first sort of um, opportunity if you like to start weaving these histories together yeah. and my ho I actually met through my partner, so I asked him, and because he's he's had a long history of working with, um, you know, refugee communities in Melbourne, and I said, oh, do, do you know anyone interesting in the in the Vietnamese community? And he immediately said, my ho, and and that she'd you know mentioned that she'd become mayor in a, in Maribyrnong, and and you know he'd he'd worked with her, helping to tell her story for a big show at the Melbourne Museum. This is back in the late 90s at the time. And and so I wrote to my ho and I had no idea that she knew Jean and, <laughs> and, and that she had in fact taken Jean and the fairly five women back to Vietnam. Wow. In, okay. in I think it was uh, two, 2001 or thereabouts, early 2000s. And so, uh, you know... I was writing to someone not even realising how entwined. how entwined she was in the story that I was telling. So when I met my ho uh, and, you know, she started unpacking this history and, 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 and even sort of dropping little stories about her daughter and how she met Gough Whitlam and, and you know, Gough Whitlam happened to be, you know, of course, a, a, a character in my story and, of, of course, Clifton Pugh had been painting Gough Whitlam and then... You know, suddenly all these, and Gough Whitlam um, had, um, you know, congr- you know, met met Maiho's daughter at a at when she won, you know, uh, Australian of the Year, and I mean there were all these things that just fell into place. I'll just I'll, I'll never forget the day that I met my. It was just like, aha, this is this is the final piece. This is where it all ties up. So it was it was perfect, and and I was very lucky with Jean, Bill, and Mai that they were just they were great storytellers. They were they were um, generous as well 
in the way they gave me room to kind of interpret mm. their stories as yeah. a visual storyteller and knowing that I had to kind of curate and edit and, and, and also reimagine things that, that I didn't experience. Yes. Um, they were, you know, I think that was that was really generous of them, and yes. I'll, I'll forever be indebted to them. <laughs> Extraordinary people, and I think they they definitely changed the way I saw the world. Mm. What a what a what a great uh, what a great gift mm. to get through making a graphic novel that that change of perspective. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. yeah this, this whole project was all about connections, mm. and you know, if I had. Uh, you know, you know, being in a situation where I had to write about Vietnam War history just through academic reportage, I really don't think I would have lasted the distance. Yes. I, needed. Yes. I had living stories to work with. Yes. And that kept it alive for me. Yeah. Yeah. Those, yeah. those, those conversations are, yeah, those, those three, I mean, what... Did I think just then? I wanted to ask you about the difference between um, so in in Hidden, your previous graphic novel, um, you're a character in those uh, those, story, those four stories, uh, and this book, uh, and you're not you're, the other people are the characters. Um, is that is that a freedom? Is it more responsibility? Do you have a, a feel about the way that that changes the point of view? I suppose as presented in in your in in your graphic novel work, you know, does it does it does it change the um, who you're asking the reader to identify with? Is that even a real question? I there were two. Entirely different experiences. Okay. Uh, in in hidden, where I was, uh, I wouldn't call myself a significant character, but I was the window frame kind of character into the worlds of my characters, my main characters, and I guess I had a sense of confidence in writing that because I had the, the, had these experiences myself. Uh, you know, it it. It, I was able to tell the stories in a very natural, intuitive way because I felt close to the, 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 the events. With Underground, I had to work a lot harder to, to get try that and... intimacy? Like, yeah, that, that absolutely. That closeness that you just yeah. said then, that seems to chime for me about this... Uh, you know, Safta Ahmed's book, he, he goes into Villawood. He is intimate with us. Joe Sacco's work, he goes and he talks to people. He actually interviews them himself. Uh, Art Spiegelman's book is about his, you know, he goes and interviews his dad. There's, a, there's, a, there's an intimacy of relationship uh, that seems to work in comics. Is it the body in, in, in embodiment that happens on, on the page? I don't know, but yeah, I... I think a a lot of writers talk about that intimacy, um, even with fictional characters. It's like you have to inhabit them. You become them. And and in a a strange kind of way, I kind of had to become, as as, as far as I possibly could, as was realistic, to become Jean and Bill and Mai and try and feel how, you know, they felt. Uh, and and luckily, because they were great storytellers, and they they were good at putting themselves in the stories. Yep. You know, some people kind of 
tell their stories in a more pedestrian and distant way. But I've, with them, I felt like I, I, I knew who they were a bit more yeah. in their story. You had a feel. And, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And so I had to inhabit that yeah. feeling uh, as, as much as possible. And, you know, and, and, and it was difficult. I mean, obviously, this, this is a history that I didn't experience. A lot of this history ha- happened before I was born. And, you know, I, 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 I mean, particularly with Bill Cantwell's story, I can't, can't really conceive what it means to be on a battlefield and, and to, to experience that level of terror. Because it was, it was a terrifying experience and, and very, very traumatic. And, and, and how, how I responded to these incredibly alien experiences took took some time i mean there were there were stories of bills that 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 i would sit with for you know a year and a half or something before suddenly i had mm. the visual response to it because i because you know underground explores visual metaphor a lot i don't always want to um literally create what happened i'd rather comment on it in a in, in, in my own way so that it has a greater level of poignancy. Uh, but but, but that, was, that was difficult for me. And I, I'd say most difficult with, with Bill's. I felt like that was really, really quite a foreign mm. world that he was presenting to me mm. in his stories. Uh, you do... The, the, the wombat uh, character, metaphor, uh, it has remained uh, in, in the book. It's on, he's, he's on the cover and he digs his way through the entire... Uh, sometimes I think of this book and I think of it as, a, as, a, as an exhibition. Uh, and, and, you know, I go down and it's a beautiful exhibition because you actually go down into a hole in the ground. It's really, really sculptural sort of thing and you go into different r- uh, rooms of the burrow and then you get a gene story. And, you know, so you seem to have... Not seem to have you have uh, created that um, hologra- hologramic sort of feel of the um, the sense of that me- that that metaphor um, that digging that underground that sort of um, uh, uh, this basic. So I, I suppose for me too, uh, sort of a buried history. You know, stuff goes into the soil, and you you just go. Unless, unless I dig around for it, um, that's just going to be, you know, um, unseen. Um, so um, there was a point to this. I'm sure there was. <laughs> um, I, I suppose that's right. I think some of Bill's stuff where he seems to be immersed in the ground that the uh, the wombat is also digging through suggests and, and is sort of the, there's a routineness about limbs uh, and images sort of sort of sort of a, a human uh, metamorphosis really into a very uh, tangled um, rivy sort of feeling so that I feel that uh, we also see Bill on, on the battlefield, but also we are looking. You are looking in the book at, at the at the trauma, as you said, of of what the, that left him with. And I think that the metaphor, the, 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 both the the wombat and the undergroundness and the routineness of of people, gives a sense of the um, uh, disturbing. 
tendrils that continue to 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 to, to grow uh, even even uh, you know with that with that memory and with that with that feeling. So I suppose I'm just really congratulating you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bernard. Thank you. On, yes, on, on the feeling that that, yeah. that engenders. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the, the burial and the, the, sub, the submerged nature of these stories. I mean, one thing that, that struck me in, in the making of Underground was in my conversations with everyday people uh, that, that, you know, so little was really understood about this history. And, and yet it's such a significant part of Australian yeah. history and Vietnamese history and American history. I mean... And you know, and in Australia, if we bring it home to Australia, we've we've really adopted the American version of events mm. more than our own story. And and you know, for for going back to Bill uh, and 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 the images I created of him, him underground and his, I, I sort of gave him root systems that that sort of went beyond through the the uh, below the wombat tunnel, if you like. Um, it sounds a little bit weird. It'll all make sense if you look at the picture. Um, but that really spoke to the fact that, you know, uh, young men who returned from Vietnam uh, were condemned. Uh, you know, they were revered when they left to go and fight. And then by the time they came back, mostly they were, they were condemned as sort of, you know, baby killers and murderers. And, and so cause, because the war, of course, became incredibly unpopular. Yes. I think the tides turned completely 180 and i guess you know one thing that 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 I, that that, dis- that i find really incredibly disturbing uh is the just the the longevity of impact of these these kinds of wars you know these short-term decisions that politicians uh, make for their sh- their shallow short-term needs uh and the 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 the, the, the trauma that is left with ordinary human human beings for for generations to come, and you know the fact that long after I have gone, that the ripples of of these of of not just the war in Vietnam, so many wars will still be playing out. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, um, and I think that uh, well, I suppose I've got thoughts about what comics do as a form and graphic novels being just long comics really what but what do you think Miranda that comics allow or make possible in the form of them that that makes them a a useful tool for example perhaps um, in working with difficult subject matter like or awful subject matter. What, or, 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 is there something that recommends them to us, that, that makes them useful in some way, do you think? There's something so humanising about graphic novels, I'm sure you'd agree, uh, or, and the graphic story and more, more broadly. Um, obviously, we talk about how the hand creates the drawing and the reader connects to that hand in a way. And... Uh, you know, because you're 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 drawing people, mm. also you're drawing your characters. Uh, they're not Texan. I don't mean to in any way diminish pure prose at all, because that has can have its own strength. But the the strength of the the, the drawing is that you sort of 
um, you know, you're, you're having a, this really immediate connection yeah. with a character. You're looking into their eyes. Yeah. You're, you're connecting with their expressions. As, as you're speaking, you're making me think um, that maybe comics are, are like a form of folktale, you know, that, 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 that has that sort of sense of the, um, that direct transmission. You're sitting across from the old lady or the old man who's telling you the story and a lot of the information you're getting is, is through the words, but also it's through the glint of the eye in the firelight or the smile that they give you while they deliver that particular line. You know, it, that oral tradition um, is, is, not, is, not, is, is, is not a words-written tradition. It's, a, it's this body-performed sort of thing. And I suppose... A, to get, you know, to, it's like a performance on on, on, on the page by the, by the graphic novelist, by the make, comic maker. Yeah, Absolutely. I wanted my reader to sit with the characters. Um, it, you know, the, the real Jean McLean, Bill Cantwell and my ho, uh, in, in, in little segments of my book uh, to, to, to remind them that this, this book was made of... of, of, of the, the writer's and drawer's experience of sitting with these people, mm. listening to their stories. And, uh, you know, I hope, I hope to inspire people to, to have that listening experience, particularly with our elders, yeah. more, more often. Yeah. It's really special. Um, excellent. Well, let's, um, let's wrap up here this wonderful uh, conversation. Uh, Miranda Burton, once again... Congratulations on Underground. Congratulations from us here at Readings on winning the, uh, the, the Readings Young Adult Prize for 2022. We're very chuffed that, we, that you are the, you're the, you're the winner. We, we congratulate all the, the shortlisted people. It was an amazing range of books. Um, but it's a, it's a thrill that, uh, that you are, you are the, you're, you're the chosen one uh, uh, in 2022. Congrats. Thank you so much, Bernard. It's been a pleasure. You can stream previous episodes of the Readings Podcast at our website, where you'll also find all kinds of other recommendations for great books, music, film, and TV. You can also sign up to eNews or to receive our free monthly newsletter, The Readings Monthly. All episodes of the Readings Podcast are produced by me, Nico Callaghan. The show's opening music is by Tom Hoskins. This show's introduction music is by Bernard Calio. More episodes of the Comics Questions will come in months to come. All episodes of this show are produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land and elders of the past, present and those to come. Thank you for listening.